0: All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I almost just said good morning, like everyone else. I don't know why we've been doing this for like a month and a half, so we should be more used to it. Maybe it's because when we're online, we do it at 1030 like we normally do. Um, But good afternoon. Um, Welcome uh, to Redeemer Stillwater. Thank you for joining us. My name is Kevin Tapscott. I am one of the pastors here. And as has already been said, um, we are glad to be together again in person. Uh, I'm really glad to see some familiar faces after people have gone home for the break. Um, it's really glad, or I'm really glad to have you back. It's really good to have you back. Um, and so I hope you have a great first week of classes and it'll be exciting the next couple of weeks to, to see even more familiar faces as people are coming back into town. So today we are finishing up uh, just a short two-week series called Come to Me on Matthew 11, through 30. Brian just read it. And I think it's a a pretty familiar uh, passage, a well-known passage to many of us. Um, But as Brian was just praying, I I don't want the familiarity of it to um, cause um, the impact of it to be any less than it should be. But I also think, as I talked a lot last week, um, that it's a very timely passage. And many of you have said that. As A couple months ago, I was praying this for our members. A lot of people were saying, thank you so much. I needed to hear this. This is very timely for me. But, I mean, man, as Brian was saying, the circumstances of our day um, are just extreme and unique um, and a lot. They've impacted us all very, very greatly and I think many of us, if not all of us, are all fearing, feeling weary and burdened in some way. And so that's why we're looking at these uh, two or three verses here in Matthew 11. So last week, our first week of the series, we looked at verse 29, where Jesus tells us that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And we talked about the gentle, the tender, the loving heart of Jesus for us and how he is naturally inclined to move toward us in our sin and suffering. He is gentle and loving. He is welcoming and understanding. He is accessible and approachable at all times. And this is his very heart. That's what he tells us. This is his heart. This is the core of who he is. We can trust him and we can view his invitation to come to him for rest with joy, not with hesitation or fear, because he deeply delights in just sweeping us up into his arms to give us rest from all the things that make us weary and burdened. And so I wanted to take the whole first week, last week, to talk about the heart of Jesus because I think it's easy for us to have different ideas or conceptions about Jesus that are not true of who he is. And because understanding the heart of Christ as he reveals to us helps us to better know and worship Jesus, but also because understanding his gentle and lowly heart helps tie our passage together here in Matthew 11. For understanding the nature of his heart helps us to see the beauty of the invitation to come to him for rest. Without understanding his heart, then it's easy to question his motivations in inviting us to come to him and also to question his ability to give us the rest that he promises to give us. But knowing the loving heart of Christ and knowing that he is the son of God gives us confidence and it gives us boldness to come to Jesus and come quickly and confidently for rest. So that's what we focused on last week. Today, I want to focus more on the circumstances that lead to us feeling weary and burdened in life and what it means for us to come to Jesus and to take his yoke upon ourselves so that we might receive the rest that he promises us here. So Matthew 11:28, 28, the first verse says this, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" So the first thing that we see about Jesus' invitation here in Matthew 11 is that it is a universal invitation. Everyone who is weighed down by cares and worries are invited to come to him. No one is omitted. No one is excluded. No one is left out. There is no trouble or burden that disqualifies you from coming to Jesus his love for you, his ability to give you rest far exceeds any sins or weights or burdens that you might carry to him. And this is a universal invitation because we all have weights and we all have burdens that weigh us down, that make us weary. There's not a single person who has zero troubles in their life and never feels weary or burdened by sin or suffering. There's not a single person who is immune from the the effects of sin in our fallen world and who has no need of the rest that Jesus offers to us. So Jesus, he invites all to come to him. It's a universal invitation. And this invitation is extended, he says, to everyone who labors and is heavy laden. So some English translations translate labor as you who are weary. And that's because the Greek word literally means those who labor to the point of weariness. And so this word referred to intense effort that wore you out and make you, made you tired and weary like that of a soldier in battle or, or manual labor. And so I used to do landscaping, um, landscaping, digging trenches, mowing lawns in the middle of summer heat here in Oklahoma. And I would come home in the evenings and just be wiped, just completely exhausted. And so the invitation to you who labor, this is kind of the labor and the weariness that this word is getting at. But ultimately what it's doing, it's it's highlighting a person's need. The weariness resulting from the hard labor just reveals the person's need for rest and refreshment, just like I, after spending all day out in the sun and in the heat, had to come home and drink tons of water and eat some food and just rest and relax my tired and weary body. But Jesus here, he's not just talking about the manual worker who needs physical rest for their bodies, but those who need rest for their souls, as verse 29 tells us. Those who are actively working hard to try and make their life what they want it to be. Those who are working hard to try to earn their salvation in a legalistic way by trying to work for forgiveness, or those who are trying to crowbar their life into smoothness, as Dan Ortland says in his book, Gentle and Lowly. This is those who think that if they just get this job or that raise, or if they get that opportunity or accomplish that goal, if they achieve something or achieve more than others, or whatever effort they might think that they need to do for their life to be smooth and easy. But ultimately, the intense effort, whether you're trying to crowbar your life into smoothness or earn your salvation, it's all in vain. And it just leaves this person tired and weary and in deep need but they can't meet that need on their own and they can't find rest on their own. And Jesus, he also invites those who are heavy laden. This is those who are experiencing troubles or afflictions of any kind, physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. Those who are enduring the consequences of sin and the sorrow that always comes with sin. Those who are weighed down with burdens that come from circumstances just completely outside of your control those with sickness and disease and debilitation, those struggling with mental and emotional health, those who feel guilt and remorse over past sins and mistakes, those plagued with fear and anxiety and depression, those of us whose to-do list each day seems to last far longer than there are hours in the day to actually accomplish all of those things, those who just can't take more bad news from the media, and there's a lot of bad news in the media, those who just struggle to get out of bed in the morning, those who just need some rest and some relief. And so the promise that Jesus gives to those who come to him with their weariness and their burdens is that he will give them rest. He will provide relief and refreshment. And this is a gift, as we talked about last week, that flows from his gentle and lowly heart for us. And the rest that he gives, the rest that he promises to give, it is given, it is not earned. You do not work for it. You do not have to address some of your sin or suffering before coming to him. You don't have to tackle some of your weariness and burdens first so that when you bring it to Jesus, there's less for him to have to deal with. All you do is you just simply open your heart to Jesus, who is gentle and lowly toward you and deeply loves you. He knows your circumstances, he knows your needs, he knows your failures and your shortcomings, and he still lovingly bids you to come to him. And when you do, he openly welcomes you. He gives you rest and he gives you refreshment. But of course, not everyone heeds Jesus' call to come to him for this rest and refreshment. For it is only those who humbly recognize their need for Jesus's help and cry out to him, responding to his call to come, who are met with his tender, loving heart and receive the rest that he promises. Those who are proud, they don't come to Jesus because they don't think that they need his help. They don't listen to him. They don't learn from him because they feel like they are already wise and intelligent on their own. They are self-sufficient. They can rely on themselves to meet their needs and to find the rest that they are seeking. They can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, which is just a common phrase here in America. And we know this because this is the context of our passage in Matthew 11, because the verses right before our, our passage, Matthew 11:25 25 through 27, says this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So these things that Jesus is talking about, it's most likely referring to the presence of the kingdom of God that Jesus ushered in whenever he was here On this earth. And these things refer to Jesus' unique role as the prophesied servant of God, the Messiah. Jesus, he proclaims the good news of God's kingdom, God's rule and reign, and Jesus proclaims the gospel that forgives sin and brings rest to weary sinners. God reveals these things to those whom he has chosen and who come to him like little children in humility. But those who depend on human and worldly wisdom, The wise in understanding, they have these things concealed from them because they are wise in their own eyes and they don't feel like they need Jesus or really anyone else to teach them. They are sufficient in themselves and they don't need to come to Jesus for help and rest. Humility is required to receive salvation and rest from Jesus because it is only the humble who recognize that they don't know enough and they cannot work hard enough to earn salvation or find rest on their own. So while we might rejoice at this beautiful invitation from Jesus to come to him and find rest, we don't always heed it. We don't always listen or respond. There's absolutely pride that keeps those who don't know Jesus from coming to him. But there are also things for us believers who do know Christ that keep us from coming to him for rest as well. Because one, we too can be consumed with pride, thinking that we don't need Jesus or his help. Or thinking that we need to do all that we can on our own first, before we come to him with our needs, with our weariness and our burdens. We think that we have to work hard first so that we can earn rest rather than just receiving rest from Christ. We feel like we have to clean ourselves up or work hard to alleviate our burdens before we come to Jesus. We think we are sufficient and don't need his help. Sometimes we go other places other than Jesus looking for rest. When we're wearied and burdened, we distract ourselves with social media and Netflix. We escape from the hardships of life by escaping in to sin. We look to other people to alleviate our weariness and to lift our burdens rather than coming to Jesus first but his loving heart is inclined toward you. He deeply delights to give you the rest that you need if only you humble yourself before him and come to him to receive the rest that he so longingly wants to give to you. So examining your own heart, thinking of your own life, what is keeping you from coming to Jesus with your weariness and with your burdens and finding rest in him alone? Do you proudly rely on yourself or your own wisdom and so you feel like you don't really need to come to Jesus? Do you feel like you have to work hard on your own first before you've earned the right to come to Christ? Do you feel like if you come to him, then you're not really going to be received by him? Do you not believe that he is gentle and lowly in heart? Do you go other places seeking rest? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify the things that might be keeping you from coming to Christ to receive the rest that you need. Confess those things to God. Confess those things to a friend here at Redeemer. True rest is found in Christ alone. And he, as he has said, he is gentle and lowly toward you. This is his heart. He is eager to give you the rest that you long for and that you need, if only you come to him. And so in our passage, Jesus, he goes on to describe what receiving this rest that he promises entails. In verses 29 through 30, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we see in these verses what we were just talking about before this that while Jesus' invitation is universal, it is extended to everyone, the rest that he gives is only for those who humbly answer his call to come to him, who cry out for help, who take his yoke upon themselves. The rest, Jesus promises, is dependent upon taking Jesus' yoke upon ourselves and learning from him. Basically, this just means becoming a disciple of Jesus. We humbly recognize our need for forgiveness and salvation and for rest, and we recognize that only he can give these things to us. We recognize that he is Lord, and we are to learn from him and to follow him as his disciples so Jesus says to take his yoke upon ourselves. So a yoke was a wooden crossbar that was laid on the back of oxen that would help them to pull a load together. And so the yoke itself was, was made of wood. And so that was a burden on the back of oxen, but it was laid on their back so that they can pull an even heavier burden, oftentimes a cart or something like that. And when yoke is used in the Bible, it's often referring to submission to some kind of authority. And often in scripture, it's invoked to illustrate some sort of bondage, really. Like in Jeremiah 27, where Israel's bondage, the people of God, their bondage to Babylon is described as putting their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Basically, what this is saying is that the people of God will be conquered by Babylon and will be subservient to them. But some Jewish rabbis at this time, at Jesus' time, they spoke approvingly of the yoke of the law, Basically, this is the positive aspect in the blessings of serving God and obeying his law, of being under his yoke. One rabbi said, He that takes upon himself the yoke of the law, from him shall be taken away the yoke of worldly care. care." Because truly, there is immense blessing in serving and obeying God in every way. But although the Jewish rabbis, they, they spoke of the yoke of the law in this way, in a very positive light, Not every Jew at this time felt the same way. They felt the weight and burden of trying to obey the law because they could not do it. And this is especially because the Pharisees, they would create even more laws to go out, to act as kind of a fence around the law to make sure that no devout Jew would ever even come close to breaking God's law. And so this was just a burden that no one could bear. And this is what Jesus says of the scribes and Pharisees when he pronounces woes on them in Matthew 23, 4. Jesus says, they, the scribes and the Pharisees, tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. The rabbis, they claim that the yoke of the law was a blessing, but the Jewish people only felt that it was a burden. And the Pharisees, they were only adding to this burden by creating other laws to go around God's law. Then they were doing nothing to try and lift that burden from people. Paul, in Acts 15.10, he describes Christians being under the law as laying on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear. And so we cannot bear the weight of trying to obey the law on our own to earn and receive forgiveness and salvation by obedience to the law because no one is forgiven and saved by works of the law. That is not its purpose. It is to reveal for us that we can't perfectly obey it and we need someone to intercede on our behalf. And so Jesus here, he lovingly promises to lift the weights and the burdens of all of these things off of our shoulders, not only of the grief and suffering that accompanies life in a fallen world, but of trying to legalistically obey the law to earn salvation. And in a paradoxical way, this comes by taking Jesus's yoke upon ourselves. The yokes of legalism and the difficulties of life in a fallen world are on our shoulders. They weigh us down. We cannot bear their weight on our own. We need rest and relief. And by taking Jesus's yoke upon ourselves, we receive the rest that we're longing for. And this is because he tells us his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, what this does not mean is, it does not mean that when we come to Jesus, that life is easy and free of trial and pain. I think this is a notion of discipleship that is encouraged and pushed a lot in America. That is just not true. This notion that if you come to Jesus, then your life is easy. It's great. There's no more trial or pain or suffering. But the reality is, is that everyone is impacted by sin in our fallen world. And that brings different types and degrees of suffering for all of us. But what this passage is saying is that Jesus' yoke that we lift onto our shoulders is kind, it is wholesome, it is useful. Jesus does not further burden us down, he does not call us to a work that further wearies us, but he lifts burdens from us. His burden is light. So the remarkable thing that we find out when we humbly come to Jesus and place his yoke of discipleship on our backs is that the things in this life that make us weary and burdened because they weigh us down are now lifted from us. As Dane Ortland says in his book, Gentle and Lowly, Jesus is using a kind of irony, saying that the yoke laid on his disciples is a non-yoke, for it's a yoke of kindness. So in my early 20s, for a few years, I was a lifeguard. Well, my first summer as a lifeguard was when I was 18, but I was a lifeguard for a few years in my early 20s. But the first summer that I became a lifeguard, one of the tests that I had to pass to be certified as a lifeguard was I had to dive down um, to the bottom of a 12-foot diving well, which is, you know, where the diving board is, dive down 12 feet, grab a 10-pound brick, come back up to the surface, hold the brick with both hands, and then tread water for two minutes using just my legs. And I barely passed. I am not good at treading water. I was kicking frantically, uh, very erratically, because I'm not efficient at that. And the brick just felt so much heavier than 10 pounds, even though it's just two pounds and it seems like it's just two minutes. I barely passed. There were a few cheat strokes in there, not because I wanted to cheat, but because I didn't want to drown. Um, But I was able to pass. I did become a lifeguard, but it was hard. My feet And my legs were kicking frantically. I was tired and weary. The the brick just felt so heavy, even though it was only 10 pounds. Now imagine that this same scenario is our lives as we labor and toil and we are heavy laden with burdens. We're working hard. We're kicking our legs to keep our heads above water. We feel the weight and the burden of the brick that we're holding with our hands. And Jesus, he comes along and he offers us a life jacket. We're not going to respond to that and say are you crazy? Like can't you see I'm exhausted here? I'm I'm tired, I'm weary. I'm barely struggling to keep my head above water. I can't bear the weight and the burden of a life jacket. But no. We're going to receive that life jacket and take it upon ourselves and immediately we are easily able to float as the weight of everything is lifted. Our legs aren't kicking anymore. We can just rest easy in the water. The, the brick doesn't feel like 10 pounds. It feels a fraction of that as we are able to just rest and relax and easily float because we have taken the life jacket upon ourselves. Orland says this. He says, Jesus's yoke is kind and his burden is light. That is, his yoke is a non-yoke and his burden is a non-burden. What helium does to a balloon, Jesus's yoke does to his followers. We are buoyed along in life by his endless gentleness and his supremely accessible lowliness. The yoke of Christ that we take upon ourselves is just like the life jacket in that scenario. But so often we are inclined to refuse the yoke of Jesus because it only seems or feels like more of a burden. But I think that this is because we don't understand Jesus' loving and gentle and lowly heart for us in our sin and in our suffering. We don't trust that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. So rather than endure a yoke on our own that is too much to bear because we are weary and burdened by the difficulties of life, and rather than struggling under the weight of the yoke of trying to earn our salvation on our own without Jesus' help, we need to come to him and let him lift these burdens from us. We don't need to languish under the yokes of sin and suffering for if we bring our sins and sufferings to Jesus and put his yoke on our backs, then the weight of these burdens will be lifted from us. Jesus tells us that the Pharisees, they placed heavy burdens on people and would not lift them with a finger. But Jesus comes to lift those burdens from us and to bear their entire weight on himself. And he did this by coming to this earth, living a sinless life perfectly obeying and upholding the law on our behalf bearing our sins in himself our burdens in himself when he died on the cross and rising from the dead victorious over sin and death and so when we place our faith in him we are forgiven and saved we're united now to a savior who is gentle and lowly in heart his tender and gentle and loving and kind toward us this is who he is He deeply delights in sweeping us into his arms to lift the burdens that weigh on us in this life. And he gives us deep rest for our souls, not merely rest for our bodies or a break from our difficult circumstances. He assures us that we don't have to work for salvation because he has already done all the work for us. His gift of salvation and rest are free. All that we do is just receive them in faith. And the rest that he offers encompasses all of the things in life that make us weary and burdened, all of the things that are uh, wearisome to us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And we see that in the chapter right after ours in Matthew chapter 12. And so immediately after our passage at the end of Matthew 11, Matthew kind of illustrates for us what Jesus has just told us, that if we come to him with our weariness and burdens, he will give us rest. And we see this in Matthew chapter 12, as there are multiple stories of Jesus setting people free from the cares and burdens that weigh on them, even though the Pharisees disapproved of these things because of their legalistic observance of the law. So in Matthew 12, we see that Jesus, he reveals himself as Lord of the Sabbath, and in doing so, he challenges the Pharisees' understanding of Sabbath observance. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, which caused the Pharisees to plot against him to kill him. Jesus heals all of those in a crowd who were brought to him for healing. He heals a man who was blind, unable to speak, and demon-possessed, and the Pharisees just accused Jesus of driving out a demon by the power of a demon. But Jesus, in Matthew 12, he graciously brings rest to different people from the weights that they are carrying both physically and spiritually. And all of this just comes from the loving, gentle, humble heart of Christ, which is inclined toward us in our sin and in our suffering. He delights to give us the rest that we need all the way down to our souls as he forgives us and saves us and enables us to delight in our salvation in him. And all of this comes as we take Jesus's yoke upon ourselves and learn from him. This is just the call to the life of discipleship. And while it lifts our weariness and burdens from us, this call to discipleship does not mean that we now live a life of carefree ease or inactivity. For indeed, we are called to service as we take up Jesus's yoke and serve and follow him because we are all called to deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow Jesus. But this service is pleasing and delightful. It is a refreshing service for the rest that Jesus promises to give to us in this passage is so that we can be refreshed to better serve Christ with joy. His yoke that we place on ourselves helps us in our service to him like feathers help a bird to fly. And this is the way to live in the rest that is promised in Jeremiah 6.16, which says this, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. The good way that we are to walk in is in taking Jesus' yoke on ourselves, receiving forgiveness and salvation and rest, and then following Christ. And as Christ's disciples, we learn from him. That's what a disciple is, someone who learns through instruction. So this means that we continually come to Jesus to learn of the depths of his gentle and lowly heart and to also learn the depths of the gospel and how the gospel applies to all of life and then to live lives of faithful service to Christ for his glory and for our good. And so this truly is learning how to be good witnesses to a watching world, but also learning how to navigate life in a fallen world as we all endure the effects of sin and suffering. We learn the best way to handle and respond to the sin and suffering that weigh on each of us by coming to Jesus first. But I think oftentimes our inclination is to go to other sources for these things before we come to Christ. There's lots of sin and suffering in the world. And we need to heed Jesus' invitation to come to him to know how to process all of these things and to respond with love and with grace and with truth and to find for ourselves and others the sole rest that we all long for. But this only comes by coming to Christ. It does not come by going to any other source, not politicians or activists or professors or therapists or even pastors For our job is to only point you to the only one, Christ, who can give you the rest that you need. So we need to come to Christ first. The artist, John Guerra, has a song called Citizens. And in the song, he's describing some things. He's describing himself looking at all of the pain and the suffering and the injustice in our world. And he's kind of trying to process all of these things and figure out how to respond faithfully as a disciple of Christ. He says that he has a heart full of questions for God. And that as he is seeing all of these things, he's seeing injustice and grief. He's seeing people hurting, people going um, hungry, people angry. Christians caring more about power than they do faithfully following Jesus. He's seeing all these things and he's wondering what to do about these things. And that in witnessing these things, he's, he's coming to Jesus because he says he's confused. He's coming to Jesus because he says he's weeping. He's coming because he's angry. He's coming because he is guilty. He's coming because he just needs to know that God is building his kingdom where we are declared citizens and that he welcomes us as his adopted children home. That this is all accomplished by Christ and that all we have and all that we need is found in Christ. But what stands out to me from this song is the repetition of the phrase, if you listen to it, the repetition of the phrase, I'm coming to you. Sin and suffering affect everyone, and our answers and our hope is always found in Christ. Wisdom, discernment, rest, and relief from sin and suffering in this world are only found in him. But as we face these things, sometimes I think it feels quicker and easier to rush to social media to figure out how to process and respond to the difficulties of our day or to rush to our favorite pastor or professor for their perspective on these things to help us understand how to figure it out, or to rush to a politician or to a news source. And I'm not saying that we can never or should never go to those places. That's not what I'm saying. But how often do we come to Jesus first with the things that are going on in our world, the things that weary us and burden us? How often do we come to him and hit the ground humbly, hitting our knees, just praying, pouring over the pages of scripture, coming to Jesus to find answers for all of these things. After the events of January 6th at our nation's capital, the next day I was just feeling and thinking a lot of things. And I I just was kind of crying out to God, just saying, God, I don't know what to do with all of these things. The thoughts that I'm having, the feelings that I'm having, everything going on in our world, I don't know what to do. I'm confused, I'm upset, I'm angry. I don't know how to respond to these things. I don't know how to pastor a church in light of these things. I don't know how to love others well in light of these things. I just don't know what to do, Jesus. So I'm coming to you because I don't know where else to go. And so Jesus, he calls you to come to him with the weariness and burdens that you feel both for yourself and for others because his heart longs to give you rest but he also knows that he is the only one who can truly give you rest. He wants to give you rest and refreshment so that you can better understand how to carry your cross every single day and faithfully follow Christ every day in light of everything that is going on in our world. So the sins and the sufferings that weigh on you and burden you, the things in your life and the things in the world that make you hurt and angry, and convicted, and sad, and confused, bring those things to Jesus. He will help you with the weight of these things and lifting their weight from you. He is the only place you will find forgiveness and salvation and rest. No one and nothing in this world can provide the rest that you need. You cannot accomplish these things for yourself. You need Jesus and you can trust him because he is gentle and lowly in heart. This is the core of who he is, and it is his deepest delight to move towards you in your sin and suffering, not move away from you. He wants to move towards you and wrap his loving arms around you and to give you the deep soul rest that you long for and that you need. And as you learn from him and as you follow him, you come to him every single day for rest and relief and refreshment, not just once and then it's done and over with every single day. The events of our day just continually seem to pile up every single day, nonstop. We all are weary and burdened and need rest. But relief and rest and refreshment, these things do not come from watching movies or scrolling through social media. It doesn't come from reading books or escaping into hobbies. The rest that we all need and that we're all looking for is only found in humbly coming to Christ, taking his yoke upon ourselves and relying on his grace and strength as we serve him every single day. First First John 5, 2-3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Coming to Christ with our sins, with our suffering, with our weariness and burdens, taking his yoke upon ourselves is not further burden, but taking his yoke upon ourselves lifts the weights and burdens of all of these things from us. As we understand and we are united to a Savior who is gentle and lowly in heart. And all of these things, it's an act of faith and humility and trust in our humble Savior. And it is always one that will bring with it great reward as we delight in Jesus and joyfully serve him every single day. This is the product of his gentle and tender loving heart for us. So today and every day, come to Christ with your weariness and your burdens. Take his yoke of discipleship upon you. Faithfully follow him and then find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this beautiful invitation to come to you with our weariness and burdens. And thank you for this promise of rest from the things that weigh on us every single day. Lord, thank you that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves because you are so much better at providing us rest and forgiveness and salvation and relief than we ever would be to provide these things for ourselves. Lord, help us to see the things in our lives that keep us from coming to you, even though you long for us to come. Lord, help us to address those things with the truth of the gospel. God, help us to come humbly to you. And I pray that any pride that we have that might keep us from you would be set aside as we look to you and you alone for forgiveness and salvation and rest and relief from the sins that weigh on us and from the things that happen in our lives and in this world that make us feel weary and burdened and weighed down. Help us to trust your gentle and lowly heart for us. Help us to know that you are deeply and immensely loving and that you delight to take and lift the things that weigh us down and burden us and take those things off of us and bear them in yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you have already done that for us by going to the cross. Lord, help us just to respond in humility and in trust and in faith as we just open ourselves up to your gentle and lowly heart and receive rest for our souls. So I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.